everybody and welcome to this afternoon's session. Great pleasure in introducing Andrew Middleton from Sheffield Hallam University who's going to talk to us about audio feedback and timely media interventions and he tells me that he's got some work for you to do this morning. Just a, just a little. I, I, in fact, I hadn't planned anything until lunch and I decided that I would definitely go for the big lunch and realised that everyone else would be and therefore I realised that we're all going to be asleep halfway through this. So just to keep us well and truly engaged, there, there is going to be a little activity which you'll hear about just in a second. Nothing too taxing at all. But uh, OK, well, I'm going to make a start and a really useful place to start and I'm going to refer back to the keynotes this morning probably more than once but was a comment that Peter Goodyear made this morning. I think it was probably just on one of his slides, but it really picks up on what I want to talk about this morning in terms of timeliness of feedback and audio feedback in particular. And, and the comment that I wrote down was, design resources count if they are at hand, at the time of need. And I noticed on the Blended Learning Conference uh, site, there, one of the aims there, um, and I can't quote it, I'm afraid, but again, I noticed on the train coming down using the wireless, that it said, uh, feedback that is quick, or something like that. And that's one of the things that I want to contest here, that actually, yes, speedy feedback is often very important to us and our students, but actually we need to move it a little bit further and think about what timeliness really means. So that's one of the themes from this presentation. I'm going to be talking about five models of audio feedback, and there are plenty of others. And the little activity, just to keep us all awake, is to think about, for instance, what the sixth is. And before we get to the very end of this, I'm going to find some time, whether I've got there or not, to take a little break and ask that question again. So as I go through this and introduce some of the models and principles that I've found... Um, it might be useful for you to make one or two notes about principles or start to think about what a sixth model is. One way of that, uh, engaging that thought process might be to try and second-guess me. As I start to introduce a new model, try and guess what it is I'm going to say, and you'll realise that if you're different to me, you've already got your sixth model. don't know if that makes sense, but let's move on. So look out for the principles as we go through uh, this session. I've been working with audio for too long, actually. Uh, people where I work at Sheffield Hallam sort of say, oh, it's Andrew's podcasting, or it's digital audio learning objects, or media interventions, this and that. And really, I, I, it has to be, uh, you know, I have to be honest, I'm really quite obsessed by audio. But it's because I can't believe we're not doing a hell of a lot more with it. For anyone that knows about audio, and I can see one or two people here that do know a little bit about it, it's actually very, very easy to work with. So why don't we see more of the spoken word in the virtual learning environment? Now, where we do see it is around audio feedback, and I'm going to be talking about models at Sheffield Hallam. But before I go any further, just stick your hand up very quickly, and we'll maybe come back to this as well. Is there anyone here who is using audio feedback or has a colleague using audio feedback? Yeah, there we go, there we go. Right, we're going to have six models easily, as long as I allow enough time for this. That, I would say that 70% of the people here are putting their hands up. Uh, I'm recording this for the uh, podcast I do. If anyone objects, come and see me at the end and I'll delete you. If you're, if, if you're, if, I'll delete anyone that doesn't agree, agree with me. Let that be a warning. Okay, now, anyone that's read anything about uh, assessment will know that there are a couple of major challenges that come up in any of the literature. And one of them is this thing called assessment burden. That burden upon the tutors of, ass uh, of assessing student work effectively. Well, assessing student work, let's leave the effectively off. 
you know, do we get there often enough? The assessment burden is notorious, and what I'm interested in, what we're all interested in, is looking for the formative potential of the assessment exercise. So there's a challenge, and, you know, as I say, that challenge extends into looking for meaningful opportunities, opportunities to really engage our learners or to allow them to engage themselves in the task, to let them find their relevance in the task. So there's our challenges, just two key challenges to think about. Now, I, every time I do anything, I always probably come up with a definition for myself more than anyone else. But just so we're clear what I think I'm talking about when I talk about audio feedback, I'm going to read this now, be warned. Audio feedback can be defined as formative messages. Now, David Nicholl won't like that. I'll have to follow through with what he said about messages. He was talking about that cycle, recognising that feedback is part of a cycle. But audio feedback can be defined as formative messages recorded and distributed as digital audio given to individual students or student groups in response to both ongoing and submitted work, allowing each student to develop their knowledge and the way they learn. So that's what I'm talking about today. So as I said, five models and we'll head for the sixth. And the ones that I'm going to be talking about are personal tutor monologues, personal feedback conversations, broadcast feedback, peer audio feedback and tutor conversations. Now these models that I'll talk about are synthesised from quite a number of um, things that are happening at Sheffield Hallam. Uh, they're not you know, specific instances. There's quite a lot going on. Just some fairly quick background. I'm not going to hang around too much on this because basically this echoes the paper which is also available. But we've heard some again from David Nicholl this morning. He referred to Gibbs um, and he talks about the heavy assessment loads leading to perfunctory feedback. And I take that to mean feedback, yeah, but it really could be doing a lot more and it isn't. That's a bit of a challenge for us. What more can we be doing easily to make feedback richer? Middleton and Norcliffe, that's me and a colleague in software engineering at Helm. We've been actually doing quite a lot over the last two or three years around audio feedback. And some of the things that we've found out are, and not seen too much evidence of actually in the papers, are the significance of voice. You know, we've got the tutor voice, we've got the student voice in the VLE. What can we do with that? and their selection of particular points to pick up on. Timeliness, well, that's in the title of this presentation. And what we mean is whenever a student is ready to receive the feedback, where is it? And again, you know, it's not about speed of getting the feedback out there. And whether it's the right media for the job, making sure that it doesn't add to the burden. You know, there's no point in doing this if it just escalates the burden problem. And that it's integrated and not isolated. In other words, it's a blended learning conversational context. It's part of what else happens beyond the feedback being given. There we go back to David Nicholl and that cyclical <coughs> idea that he had. Another context, National Student Survey. Our students told us they loved higher education apart from assessment. <laughs> Sorry, that's a, short, a shortened version of the whole report. Rust in 2001, and we can go back with audio feedback to references in the medieval times, but Rust in 2001 offers a range of techniques to enable assessment feedback for large groups. And actually he mentions audio feedback in, in that particular reference, which is on the paper and at the end of this presentation. Bob Rotherham um, is undertaking a, a GIST pro project at the moment, uh, looking at uh, obstacles to feedback, uh, and he notes uh, the technology 
distribution, management of the files. So that you know, there are some practical things uh, to consider here. Uh, it's not all plain sailing. Ribchester et al., Wolverhampton and Chester, I think, note the personal t- touch amongst other things. So quickly, what I did was I have had various conversations, um, focus groups, uh, conversational groups, and from those conversations over a couple of years, I've digested the models that we're going to uh, hear about right now. So model one is possibly the default model that we'd all think about. Um, it's that um, model where, you know, for instance, you have the student's essay, you're sitting at your computer, you're reading it, you're making your notes, you're pressing record, you're saying either a lot or something um, that you think really needs to be highlighted. So this is the, the challenge that addre- this is the solution that uh, addresses the challenge of having a lot of students that you really want to make it a little more personal. So um, myself and Anne Norcliffe really suggest that it's more effective when you highlight with your voice one or maybe two significant points that you want the student to address. Otherwise, it turns into a monologue and you don't engage with it as a listener. It all just turns into a cloud. So by highlighting particular points and then moving on and using that in, in combination with an objective assessment grid or something like that, that seems to be quite a good model. Model two here is the personal feedback conversations, and this is what we've been doing in the software engineering lab, and also in our design students, with art and design uh, students, who, who are used to doing crits. What do you think of my painting? You know, this sort of conversation. What happens to those words after the crit? What happens to those words after the feedback conversation in the lab? Well, by capturing those words and being able to revisit them, the stress of that social event can be put to one side and you can revisit and engage you know, some of the great ideas and comments and advice that were, were shared. Model three, broadcast feedback is what I call it. I don't think anyone else calls it that. But it's what other people refer to as generic feedback. It's one of the techniques that Rust refers to that you can give good feedback to everyone by highlighting some generic uh, aspects of what you've found in the uh, in the work that's been undertaken. And that, that, of course, is really effective and can be used with next year's cohort as you set them the same task. I don't want you to be doing this. This is the feedback I had to give them last year. So it can be used in various ways, but maybe not so personal. Model four, peer audio feedback. In our uh, sports subject area, the students there have been giving each other feedback if you can give feedback, if you can design a question, for instance, if you can engage in that metacognitive way with the task in hand, then uh, you're learning, aren't you? That's essentially the point. By the way, I'm on to Model 5 now. Are you thinking about Model 6? Okay, good, yes. Right. Choose conversations, my Model Number 5. It's, uh, it's what happens behind the scenes in the common room, perhaps. That conversation that after you've seen all the student work come in and you've marked it and sent it out, you know, you've got maybe a large teaching team or more than one person. You know, is what you're doing consistent? Is the feedback you're giving consistent? Well, you maybe sit down over a cup of coffee and have a conversation. You know, did you get anything like this and how did you respond? You know, that sort of conversation goes on. 
well, how about doing a little more than just having that conversation between the two or three people and the cup of coffee? How about recording that? Because that is a really fantastic conversation to earwig on, isn't it? Now, if you're a student, if you actually heard what your tutors really... When I was a student, I hadn't got a clue what my tutors thought. I was an art student. But, you know, it's difficult when you're a student to know what your tutors are thinking. So by recording some of those conversations, um, you know, there's a real you know, advantage there that we're not maybe doing enough with. That's my fifth model. OK, let, let, let's listen to some of the things that uh, I've been told over the, the last couple of years. Effect, uh, effective spoken word communication. You know, it's that thing about what we can do with voices that we can't do with words. So, you know, here's a tutor um, involved in distance learning, and she's saying it can be faceless and very cold. With audio feedback, they can tell you you're trying to support them, and it's not as critical as perhaps it is as when it's written in black and white. Okay, I'm not. All this is in the paper, and I'm going to keep moving because I do want us to uh, have time for a bit of conversation ourselves at the end. Here's some more. We're finding that the feedback is fresh. It's feedback that is alive rather than something that is dead on the paper. As a tutor, it enables you to react to what you've seen or heard or a response that's been given from a student. And the feedback, I think, is more accurate, albeit sometimes a little bit woolly around the edges. So what I often say about audio, I mean, I don't know anyone else that's working with audio, the rough bits around the edges don't matter. They're all character they're all more personality, more to do with the fact that the tutor's alive and engaged and has got a lot to do but really wants to get this to you. So if you spend too much time thinking, thinking that audio feedback has got to be a polished production, it's not going to happen. So it's going to be rough around the edges. It's going to be real. Okay, here's another one. I think you can get some of the kindness that we intend in this particular assessment into how you talk about it. That was from a PG cert in higher ed. But kindness... Now, for me, that was a bit of a shock to hear that word in, in, in this context. But actually, why not? You know, why can't we be fun? Why can't we be kind? That's what we want to be as people. And if we use audio to bring kindness and fun into the learning environment, great. Students also actually like the sounds of their tutor's voice, believe it or not. Apart from one student that told me he would never listen to it in the car because when he stopped at the traffic lights, I can't remember what he said, but it, you know, he looked ill when he said it. He wasn't really that happy about the fact that it, his tutor's voice was going to play over the car radio. Putting that to one side, most of, well, all the students actually that I spoke to really welcomed it. Here's one. Because the feedback was there, I used it. You know, I'm a busy guy. Our students are busy as well. You know, we are worried about the burden on the tutors, but the burden on the, on the students is increasingly more real too. Most of the time I haven't got half an hour to come around the university looking for lecturers. He's got a job in McDonald's, this guy. And trying to ask for help unless it's really necessary. It's just there on your computer at home, at university, anywhere, anytime. Sounds good to me. So reflecting on the process. Um, this is what the tutors said. They said, don't edit. I've, I've just said that. Don't edit. You haven't got time. It's not going to happen. If you've got a large number of students, it's not going to happen. Don't script. One of the tutors told me that she'd started out by scripting the uh, personal tutor feedback and stopped doing it after she'd done three. Realised very, very quickly that, that she was going to get nowhere with the other 290 students that she had. 
use existing structures as a guide, e.g. assessment criteria. So use the audio in the way that makes sense, but turn to the objective marking grids or, or whatever, whatever else you do, the marginalia, the stuff that as you're reading the uh, submitted text, you might put your marks on. Make a touch more use of that, but actually work with the audio to do what you can. It's easy once you've found your method. Um, yeah, everyone said, everyone said, to begin with, because they're not technical people, the people who I spoke with, it took a little bit of time to get started, but only a little, and once they did, they were flying. Know, you know, know what's involved and then just get on with it and it's easy. The first few that I did took quite a while, but then it became very quick. Another tutor. And another tutor noted that uh, his mobile phone was always in his pocket and um, wherever he was, you know, it wasn't really a problem to uh, record a bit of audio. Findings, students caution design carefully. Yeah, this is one of the problems with audio. As much as I love it, there's a danger that, that if we did, try to do too much with audio, um, we are going to lose them. Uh, by keeping it short, sharp and engaging and meaningful, then they are going to listen. If we start to ramble and ramble and ramble, cover everything, um, some, some uh, writers have noted that in, with audio you can get a lot more words in than if you're typing, a lot more quickly, which is true enough. But... Students don't want that many words to listen to. They want to know what is the most important thing they've got to learn and improve upon next time. So if you highlight that for them and then put the other feedback in other forms perhaps or have a, another conversation with them, they'll probably only pick up on one or two things anyway. So work on those. Um, so keep it short and to the point. Be clear, tell your students what they're meant to do as a result of the feedback. And use audio for selected impact, as, impact, as I've just said. Um, Okay. Uh, yeah, I think we're doing okay. Timeliness. This is uh, in the title of the paper, so I'll hover on this slide for a touch before I think we'll move on to the sixth model. So get ready to have a conversation with the person next to you, but let's just talk about timeliness. It's given while students are still engaged in the work being discussed, or whenever actually they re-engage with it. Several students told me that... Um, they're doing several modules at once, they've got a, a job, they've, they're a member of the football team, blah, blah, blah. Their mind is not always on the case. And whenever they come to listen to the, you know, have, have the feedback, um, it helps them to re-engage. So they're going to re-engage with this assignment later down the line, or they're going to reflect upon it as they're starting their next assignment, or their next module indeed. So the audio feedback is there, it's an object, it's in the VLE. And it's very easy for them to revisit it as many times as they want. In fact, it might be on their mobile device, but actually I don't get a sense that too many students are using mobile devices to do their learning with. Some are, but we wouldn't generalise on that. If it's in the VLE or on their personal computer at home where they can listen to it in private, they can at least revisit it as many times as they want and when they're ready to re-engage or when they are re-engaged. Okay, I think I'm going to skip forward apart from media interventions because my final message here before we go on to this little exercise is if we can do so much with audio, if we can look at five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten models of audio feedback, what else can we be doing with digital media? What else can we do, be doing if we bring the student voice into the learning environment? 
as well as the academic voice, or voices, or conversation. So I'll just leave that message there. This is covered in a little more detail in the paper, and I'm going to move on to, not the conclusion, because I think we've got the message, but that question, can we just take a breather for, we're not doing badly here, for about three minutes, find someone or a couple of people nearby, and just have a, a bit of a conversation, maybe share what you're doing yourself in terms of audio feedback models, or if you're not doing anything else, try and brew up a new idea. You may have noticed some, noted some principles, timeliness, voice, or I don't know what else you've written down. We just have that conversation now, and let's share that in another three minutes. We are looking for our sixth idea. Now, uh, it'd be nice to uh, get an idea from outside of this room. Is there anything coming through the ether? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay, it's going to have to be us then. You sure? Okay, who's got the uh, sixth idea? Great. Would you like to share it? Um, an extension of the fifth as a student conversation. When I guess it maybe have to be engineered as a situation whether they record behind-the-scenes discussion. Could then be okay, so that's uh, somewhere in the territory of the fourth one as well, the peer feedback, but as a conversation, but maybe uh, more relaxed and more about about the learning rather than... A, whoops, something's happened there. But we know what the question is. Okay. Could it be something that the students actually responding back to you and on? I think that's a really interesting point. One of the commentators, Takamoto, from from 1983, it's in the paper from a way back, actually criticised audio feedback as just being one way. Well, actually, of course, it's not any way. You know, it's in a bigger context, isn't it? You know, if you think about the conversational framework, if you're feeding back, something has got to happen as a result of it. But beyond that, yes, what else can we do in terms of actually having an audio conversation, a ping-pong match of audio between the, the tutor and the students? I can say the other, thing, sorry, the other one, I don't know if it's a principle or not, but I mean, there are two elements that I can see there of usefulness. One is drawing together from the individual feedback, the generic feedback, to give to the students, which I think obviously would add additional value. But the other thing about it is, is finding a way of giving, what I, I don't know what they call it, feed forward just in time. So in other words, identifying weaknesses and actually then doing a podcast or something and sending that down, saying, you know, this, these were where you were weak and this is what you need to do to, in order to overcome this. And that can be generic again across the group. But I'm not sure that that's... I think if you're going to do all this feedback, you have to then plug the hole. I'm sorry, I'm, assu- I'm really assuming that if you're going to do feedback, we've got to be thinking ahead, yeah. thinking about the forward. But yeah, it's really, I hadn't made that point. But you know, that's the whole formative thing. It's not about, I'm telling you how bad you were or how, how good you were. It's about what else you can do now. 
So let's build upon that, and it reminds me of a model from Ribchester et al., which I, uh, I did refer to. But they actually put out the generic stub, or, or what I call the broadcast stub, and for each student they append that with a personal message. So here's how you're doing in relation to the rest of the class. You're doing quite well. Well, you, make it, you work it out for yourself how well you're doing. But I'm also going to give you a, a tip as well. So they've made one generic recording, and they've put little bits onto the end of it and sent out 30, 100, whatever... Uh, audio files across the student range there. Uh, gosh, we must be up to nine. Let's have a tenth. Okay, how does that work? Well, we're just trying to think about how to get students engaged in portfolios and personal Brilliant. Great. Okay, any more before we uh, wrap up here? Yeah? Yeah, so that's a bit like the lab model that I talked about, but um, following placement exercises or, or, or teacher placements and that sort of thing, and following observations, she's saying. Uh, yeah, okay, brilliant. Well, well, a couple of years ago, um, using maybe some voice grades, that was for a discussion with the tutor and the student, so it wasn't a one-way uh, And also, um, suggested that the students could um, attach audio file as a self-assessment with a, a piece of coursework. So they had a piece of coursework in, but with it they had a, uh, a self-assessment file so they've assessed themselves in audio. The tutor gets that with this, the piece of work and then responds to it. Can I ask, uh, before we really run out of time, can I ask why you think they would uh, submit a piece of work and then add an audio? Why wouldn't they write something? What, is there something you think well, of? Well, maybe for the same reason that you've given uh, you know, this sort of personal sort of, this, this is how it felt. Okay. You know, it's a sort of self-reflection, self-assessment of how the... Wow, for the tutor to hear how the student's yeah. feeling, the anxiety, the confidence. Self-assessment and assessment. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. focus on the criteria. Yeah, excellent. And let's have one more before we run. Well, what about, sorry, what yeah. suggest that side as well? Yeah, you've been very quiet. Come just, on. Just very briefly, um, what are you thinking about... Um, where the method of, of assessment might be an audio um, file of some description. Now, uh, we do a lot of language teaching, so for example, um, giving feedback uh, in a written word on someone's pronunciation is very difficult. But if you're looking at, 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 at a foreign language, teaching English to, to, to foreign students, where we have native speakers of those languages, in fact, it's really useful to have audio feedback on some of the projects that you've done and some of the projects you're doing, rather than having a written word feedback on an audio project or a Okay, I think it would really better... Right, go on, quickly, quickly. It's just a thing to assessment. Um, I just thought it might be valuable for the students to hear a voice they would normally hear, like an external examiner. Yeah, doing a podcast. that's great. That's great. Okay, well, I think we've done it, and thank you very much for those ideas. You generated more than I did there, so well done to you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. If you want to hear other episodes of the Learning, Teaching and Assessment in Higher Education podcast, go to http colon forward slash forward slash 
ltapodcast.blogspot.com. You can also subscribe from that site, so look out on the right-hand side of that page for a link to subscribe to the podcast so that you can receive it automatically. If you would like to contact me, you can email me at lta-podcast at shu.ac.uk. 